In this episode, we focus on Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this season, Tim Dunn and Joey Willis walk through the book of Ecclesiastes, verse by verse, discussing what is being revealed about the nature of God, our world, and our most adequate response to it. Grab your Bible, some note-taking supplies, and pull up the BibleSays.com commentary on Ecclesiastes as we take a deep dive into the deep truths of Ecclesiastes. Rich with humility and hope, uncertainty and purpose, mystery and faith, this book is sure to challenge your perspective on what it means to live life well. Okay, so Ecclesiastes 10, can we open up with a quick overview before we dive in? Well, at the end of chapter 9, he talked about how one sinner destroys much good. So in uh, the beginning of, of 10, Solomon starts to tease out some examples of, of what that looks like and uh, some realities of, of cause and effect and uh, how bad influence can um, can have significant consequences. Ultimately, though, obviously, being a cautionary tale to try to encourage us to avoid these kinds of things and influence people in a positive manner. So one through four. Dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink, so a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart directs him toward the right, but the foolish man's heart directs him toward the left. Even when the fool walks along the road, his sense is lacking, and he demonstrates to everyone that he's a fool. If the ruler's temper rises against you, do not abandon your position, because composure allays great offenses. It's interesting, the idea that a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. I mean, it's certainly not saying that foolishness is more powerful than wisdom and honor. I think what it's alluding to there is what we mentioned in the in the last section about how we have a predisposition to focus on negativity. And so a little bit of foolishness, uh, point, it feels it's weightier because we, we are giving it more weight. We are predisposed to look at negativity more strongly. So wisdom and honor is something that requires extra diligence. We have to be more uh, intentional and effortful about. And as we do that, wisdom and honor have more power, certainly, than foolishness does. Uh, and therefore have the ability to kind of expand and, and overtake the foolishness perspective. Well, here's just a, a reality of life. The, the more responsibility you have, the more people that are looking at you, the more carefully you get evaluated. And if you do one bad mistake, you can ruin the reputation and lose your credibility on everything else. So you can have a big barrel of perfumer's oil. One fly can make the whole thing stink. I mean, so, so you know, when you're a little kid and you act and you throw a tantrum or whatever, nobody thinks much of it because that little child doesn't have a, a real reputation. But the more you grow and the more responsibility you have and the more mentorship you have, the more it all matters. And so that's just that's just the way it is. And you can either take that seriously and put in accountability boundaries and, you know, recognize your own weaknesses and understand how to create barriers for that. Or you can, 
you can uh, you can blow your you know you can blow your witness. That that's pretty much the two opp- opportunities you have. Well, and as Tim has said multiple times, we have it right here in verse two, clear as day. Wise man's heart directs him towards one path. Foolish man's heart directs him towards another. There's no third option. Yeah. These are the two choices we have available to us. And you know we'll get to Deuteronomy, and uh, well, this actually uh, he, Solomon could have gotten this from Deuteronomy 30. Two roads: road of blessing, road of cursing. You pick which one you want. One is road of faith, the other road of your, your own way. And and in the time when uh, Israel was coming out of Egypt, their own way was this pagan way that's full of exploitation. If you go through like a passage like uh, Leviticus 18 and look at the behaviors of, of Egypt and Canaan, it's we would call it human trafficking and worse. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's every kind of incest you can imagine. It's uh, you know bestiality. It's uh, just child sacrifice. It was pretty gross that yeah. they were coming out of. And he's saying, you know, th- you're going to pick an exploitation path. And, you know, once, you, once a society picks a path of exploitation and says it's okay, well, as long as you want to do it, it's going to end up with those really gross, terrible things, which is something we gotta, we got to bear in mind, even for ourselves. Well, there, earlier in Ecclesiastes, he talks about how wisdom is, e- even though both the wise man and the foolish man die, wisdom is better than foolishness, just as light is better than darkness. The, the wise person walks with the path alighted, and the foolish person walks in darkness. They're stumbling. They're tripping over things. They're, not, they're, make, they're a big, huge baby making a mess. Uh, when we were, I was a youth pastor for a number of years, and we would do this kind of like fall festival haunted house. It wasn't very scary. It was like for our little kids. But just like dark rooms, that uh, that was all we had to do. Turn off the lights, and and they would walk around, and they had no idea when the next obstacle was coming. And they had to, you had to move so slow, and you were so clenched. Whereas if you flip the lights on pretty quickly, and sometimes we'd flip the lights on, and they'd be like, "This is all that's in here," or like, or even the obstacles they would see, they would like, "That's actually just a chair." I don't know why I was so worried that it was going to destroy me. But that's what we do when we're fools. We close our eyes. We walk in darkness. And even the smallest obstacles uh, have grand results. And then when we start to feel pain to try to avoid those obstacles, we start to become oppressors that enact pain on others, thinking that if we can make them feel pain, that will somehow sever us from pain. Or at the very least, that we can maybe like bring other people into this misery that we're, that we're experiencing. And it gives us some really practical advice if 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 you're in the presence of a ruler, so now you must be pretty high up or you wouldn't be there, right? So you're a person with position and authority, and you're with somebody with a greater position of authority, and they blow up at you. Well, you're a person with a lot of position and authority. Who is this person to blow up? You might blow up back at him. He's saying, that's a really bad idea. Because back in those days, that guy might have you hung. <laughs> or something, right? But the general principle is, Always keep your composure. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Um, feed your enemy and you pour heaps of coals on their head. I mean, this is the biblical deal. If you want to win a, a heated argument, keep your composure. Don't react. Never react. And, and this is just the same thing. Like, don't blow, don't blow your opportunity. Uh, you know, keep, keep your, and in this case, it's keep your composure. Do not abandon your position. Mm. Keep your composure. When I was a youth pastor, uh, 
I would talk with our teenage girls uh, mostly. The teenage boys would fight, but it would be quicker and more violent and more aggressive, but over. And then they forgot about it completely. Yeah. They couldn't they couldn't even remember it happened. Which right? it, which had its own its own way of dealing with it. But for the teenage girls that that I was leading, I would talk about this dynamic that I would see with them where, you know, metaphorically speaking, girl A would do something to harm girl B, and so girl B would respond to harm girl A. And this would go back and forth for and maybe years. Go recruit, recruit girl C. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for and, well, and for it would go on for so long that maybe a couple of years they don't even know. They just they hate each other. They don't mm-hmm. know why. And there's you know they might uh, you know slash one another's tires. They might push one another in the hallway if it gets really dramatic. Still boyfriends. Still boyfriends. Yeah. It, it gets to this really extreme thing, and they can't even remember the beginning. And what I would tell them is, I was like. Imagine you could go back two years to when this started, and instead of when she hurt you, instead of feeling like, okay, now I have to hurt her, you said, okay, I'm going to stop and I'm going to forgive her. You would have saved yourself two years of, of, of pain. You would have saved yourself two years of suffering. And so when this is talking about don't abandon your position, one of the things that makes me think of is don't surrender your character to the circumstances that Mm -hmm. you're facing. Mm -hmm. You are coming into this as the person that you are. And if the ruler or friend or anybody starts to yell at you, that's no excuse for you to stop being the person that you are. And that's what we do. We say, well, what am I supposed to do? She yelled at me. Well, you're supposed to be you. You're not supposed to let her or the people around you dictate uh, the 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 character that you steward that is a choice that you have to take ownership of. Yeah, you know, uh, and and you said it, but uh, it's worth emphasizing because it's in your self interest, right? <laughs> this is this is what will work. This is how yeah. you win. If you react to someone else, now you're in their game and you've put yourself under their control. Is that where you want to be? And that that's that's the basic idea. Yeah, you stand across from one another. You slap me, Tim. I think like, okay, well, I got to slap Tim. Then we'll be even. But yeah. if I hit you, then you think the same thing. And we've got red cheeks for years without <laughs> realizing like if one of us just, you know, took the other the option, we would have saved both of ourselves a lot of pain. <laughs> Chapter 10, verses 5 through 11. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, like an error which goes forth from the ruler. Folly is set in many exalted places, while rich men sit in humble places. I have seen slaves riding on horses and princes walking like slaves in the land. He who digs a pit may fall into it, and a serpent may bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones may be hurt by them, and he who splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Wisdom has the advantage of giving success. If the serpent bites before being charmed, there is no profit for the charmer. So now we're going back into an economic kind of a context here. And economic means human behavior that can be measured in transactions somehow. It's still human behavior. Uh, it's no, no different than, the, than other kinds of human behavior other than you, there's some uh, material, uh, something you can measure easily and involved. And it, it seems here that we have a, uh, some, a couple of different kingdoms. We have a kingdom that where a slave's riding on a horse, which might mean it's a very materially prosperous kingdom because slave, usually in a 
in a kingdom, the, the wealthy people ride horses and the slaves walk. So you have slaves riding on the horse, a very prosperous kingdom. You got another kingdom where the rulers are walking. So you got a poor kingdom and a rich kingdom. Uh, but the evil here is that you may have um, rich men sit in humble places and it, 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 you're, you're honoring the wrong thing. Mm. So if you have a society, culture, is emanates from what's honored and what's shamed. So if you if you have a culture where uh, it's honored to take things away from other people, you're going to end up with a very poor culture. And if you have a, a culture where it's honorable to uh, produce things, you're going to end up with a very wealthy culture. Uh, so um, if, if you have a culture where... Um, Let's say taxation is uh, is is done at a very high level, and uh, people that produce things are considered villains and robber barons. Eventually, people are going to stop producing things, and there's just going to be a poor society. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, if you have a, a society where uh, that you know that is poor, uh, most likely what you're going to have is you're going to have distinctions among you know poor and less poor. And the, the society is going to be crabs in a barrel. They're just going to keep pulling each other down. That's, that seems to be what he's, what he's talking about here, but that's not wisdom. That, that's not where you want to go with wisdom. But then he starts talking about, well, then is it better to, is, is it better just to avoid all that? I know you avoid all that by just not having activity. Because if I'm going to, if I'm going to work and produce and then somebody's going to take it away from me and they're going to be exalted, maybe the best thing for me to do is just step back and not do anything. Well, no, that's not good either. But you have to, you have to recognize that when you do uh, engage in industry and create things, it comes with risk. Hmm. Well, and I think that some of these are about uh, just improper effectiveness I think the language of the book of Proverbs is a lot about alignment. It talks about wisdom as how God made the world from the foundation of the world. It says in Proverbs, before the world existed, wisdom was there, which very like kind of harkens to the beginning of the Gospel of John. What it is saying is the world is made this way. God desires things to be this way. And so here are you, and you have a choice to align with that or to live outside of that. And if you live outside of that, you're going to be disjointed from those two things. So Proverbs is talking about wisdom as the path of alignment, the thing that we need to do uh, to set things in, in kind of a proper order and participate in them properly. And so some of these are about what happens when we get things improperly. You, you, sometimes you break through a wall. There might be a snake on the other side of it that bites you because that snake properly is making its home at the foot of that wall, as snakes do, right? That's part of the reality. And so if you break through a wall without the proper care, without the proper planning, without the proper alignment, you may be putting yourself into danger. Well, and, and proper planning and preparation is an important thing. Um, you know, if you're, if you're going to quarry stones, you might be hurt by them, okay? So you got to evaluate. Every endeavor has risk. you just got to go into it understanding that risk. Mm-hmm. But if your axe is dull, then you have to exert more strength. So take the time to sharpen the axe, and then you can be way more productive. So this is about risk risk management. We're going to see more of this as we get into the later chapters that 
really, what 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 Solomon is starting to elevate is, let's be good investors. Now, are the only investors those that have a stock portfolio? No, everyone's an investor. You're either an intentional investor or an unintentional investor because every morning when you get up, you start investing your time mm -hmm. all day long and you have some amount of money and every expenditure you make is an investment of some kind. It's either an investment in consuming, you're making a decision, I'm going to consume this now rather than defer it to later, like you talked about with your experience on the train. Mm -hmm. okay, that was an investment decision. You've invested in experience. Now, most of the time, we're oblivious that we're investing. And my observation is money just trickles through people's fingers for the most part, as does time. Mm -hmm. Like. Uh, if you sat down, if you knew you had one day left uh, to live, would you still be watching that TV show sort of thing? You know, so you know, how much time do you fritter away looking at a screen? You know, how much, what, what is that going to matter for eternity, like looking, for, looking at a screen? Or, you know, fill in the blank with something else. You're investing. That's all investment. And this is telling you, like, count the cost. You know, understand the risk. Make the preparation, do the things that will make you the most productive, and then do that. Yeah, I think you're right. He's, he's as we go towards the conclusion here, the last few chapters, he's going to talk more and more about that idea. Now that this kind of reality of Hevel and what that means has been established, uh, you can't escape that you have to do risk management. You have to do cost-benefit analysis. You have to invest. How are you going to do that? And as you said, we invest all the time without realizing it. The biggest thing maybe we invest in a perspective. And what do you do with your investments, like stock investments? You're cheering on the company. Mm -hmm. And so if we invest in a false perspective, there's a part of us that's looking to just reinforce that <laughs> narrative. We call it system one in our training. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of what we do. If we're investing in this perspective, it's like if I tell you, uh, Go out, go out today and look for red cars. Just that in your head mm -hmm. is going to cause you to see a lot. You're going to be like, wow, there's actually more red cars than I mm -hmm. thought there were. Where there isn't, you're just paying closer attention to yeah. it. You are, in a sense, this is crude, but in a sense, your brain is cheering for that investment to succeed. And so that's what we do when we adopt a perspective. We want to see evidence of it to reinforce it. And so if you choose a true perspective, these truths can become exponentially uh manifested in your life. And if you choose a false perspective, it can become increasingly madness. Yeah. And the, this ends, this section ends with if the serpent bites before being charmed, there's no profit for the charmer. So apparently the, the snake charmer here didn't train the snake properly. Mm -hmm. And that may mean the, the charmer got bit. Yeah. And the reason there may not be par profit is because he may be dead. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, there's a, there's a, Real clear thing of intentional preparation and and making sure that you you do the proper prep before you take the action. And that's that that really should be something we do all day long, every day with everything that we do. Why am why am I doing this? Am I is this time I'm investing with my spouse or am I just putting my brain on on hold for a while and I'll never get those minutes back? Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, 
visit our website at yellowblooms.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.